Welcome to the Christian Life Institute and our radio message, The Living Way, with Dr. Catherine Pang, psychologist, author, and teacher. The Living Way brings a message of healing and hope that starts with a desire to live differently, to know Christ more deeply. With exhortation and encouragement, Dr. Peng's teaching is based on both scripture and brain science. We can learn to grow forward in Christ with practical, real ways, living victoriously as overcomers in, but not of, this world. And now, Dr. Catherine Peng. Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm Dr. Catherine Peng, and it's so great to share this time together. Welcome to The Living Way, the radio ministry of the Christian Life Institute, and the Christian Life Institute's purpose to grow Christians forward to live victoriously as overcomers in, but not of the world, through the hope and healing of Christ. If you miss any of our Saturday evening messages, you can listen to them as podcasts and find a link and more information on our website at christianlifeinstitute.com. Our message this evening is about the merciful, gracious work of the Lord in our lives, our brokenness, blessedness, and belovedness. Our title this evening, Broken, Blessed, Beloved. Before you possibly turn away from the first word in the title of our message, I beseech you to please tune in, stay with us, and ask the Holy Spirit to use this time to perform a deep work within you as we journey this message together. It is self-evident and likely does not require a spotlight. There is way too much brokenness in this world. You can listen to pundits of all types, pontificate on the system, this ideology, this approach is broken. You can listen to groups, people, even yourself, and identify paradigms and predispositions of externalized brokenness, a pointing of a finger of what out there is broken. You may be familiar with the adage that when we point forward, there are three fingers pointing back at us. It is easier to point to what is broken, not working, wrong, messed up, and even more harshly, stated views outwardly into the world at large, a group specifically, a person pointedly. It is harder to look inward and identify and more unpleasantly acknowledge our own brokenness. For those who hold to a scriptural worldview, the world broke, people broke, when sin entered in, as we read in Genesis 3. Grab that Bible and let's read Genesis 3, 1 through 13 together. And I quote, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? 
And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me food of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Let's exposit these verses and extract some relevant nuggets. God's created, the serpent, who was the most crafty, said to the woman, Did God actually say? What did the serpent, who we know is symbolic for Satan, see Revelation 12, 9 and 22, as both describe Satan as a serpent, do? He planted a seed of doubt. Did God actually say? Implicitly, can you believe God? Can you trust God? Why would God withhold anything from you? God is limiting you. The woman replied to Satan, the serpent, and recounted what God had told them. You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Then Satan the serpent challenged what the Lord had told them by refuting the Creator, sovereign God's statement, and said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, God did not want you to be like him. God wanted to limit you. You do not listen to God. Do these statements sound familiar? Have you ever said these types of statements to yourself? God wants to limit you. God's way is not perfect. You don't need to listen to God. So what did Adam and Eve do? They disobeyed God. They followed their own way. They listened to the serpent. They listened to themselves. They left the protective care of sinless state in which God had created them. In one bite, sin entered into the world and into humanity. Quote, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They saw their sin exposed in their nakedness, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths to cover their sin, their nakedness, and they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. These thoughts, actions, decisions were all based in the flesh. Their theology was devastatingly flawed. They believed they could cover their sin, and they believed they could hide from God. Then the finger-pointing and externalized blame began, as if they were three-year-old siblings crying to Mama, He made me do it! She made me do it! It's her fault! It's his fault! The avoidance of identification, acknowledgement, and ownership of sin. The plague of humanity. Blame someone. Fault someone. Avoid ownership at all cost. That is the flesh way, not God's way. We cannot cover our sin, which is why we need a personal Savior, and his name is Jesus. In Romans 3.23, we read, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We read from Ephesians 1.7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. We cannot hide from God. In Hebrews 4.13, we read, quote, No one can hide from God. His eyes see everything we do. We must give an answer to God for what we have done. God knows every thought as we read in Psalm 139.2. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. God knows the number of hairs on your head, or lack of them, as we read in Luke 12.7. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not be afraid. 
you are far more valuable than many sparrows. And God knows every aspect of every nano inch of you and me. In John 10:14 and 15, we read, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. We are the sheep and he is the shepherd. We must recognize, identify, acknowledge our own sin and come humbly before his throne of grace to receive forgiveness of our sin, washed by the blood of the Lamb. In Hebrews 4.16, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Can you say with me, I am broken by my sin? Can you say with me, Although I am broken by my sin, if I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and have identified that he is the Son of God, holy and righteous, who died for my sin and whom I have been saved, as we read in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast that I have been healed by his stripes. In Isaiah 53, 1-8, we read, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took on our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, struck down and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us Peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each one has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can recount his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was stricken for the transgression of my people. Our flesh, our humanity is broken, but God. In Christ, we have been healed and we have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit to live, not in the flesh, but in the spirit, guided by him into all truth, as we read in John sixteen thirteen, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. As we read in Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We can walk, live as overcomers, and each day appropriate the victory which has been given to us through our salvation as we navigate the sanctified life and the equipping of the Spirit in us. Which leads us to the next word in our title, Blessed. What does it mean to be blessed of God in a broken and hurting world? What does it mean to the blessed of God when our life is hard, our relationships dysfunctional, our struggles and hurts painful, and what may seem to us is never-ending and unendurable? Let's explore together the idea of what it means to be blessed of God in the context of life in, but not of, this world. In Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8, we read, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when he comes, for its leaves remain green, 
and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. As God's chosen, as his child, we are blessed of God. We can consider ourselves blessed of the Lord. His blessings are the ways he works in our life. In Ephesians 1.3, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Note the key word, spiritual blessing. So often we think his blessing is material benefits. God may provide us with material benefits, but the focus of living as his blessed ones is a spiritual focus, a focus on forgiveness, mercy, grace, compassion, a way forward, the ability in him to overcome, and so much more. Our blessedness is not a function of what we have or do not have. It is a function of who we are in Christ, his children, his chosen. In 1 Peter 2.9 we read, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And in John 15.16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. God's work in our life is to equip us to walk, live in obedience to him for his glory. In James 1.17, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Our exhortation from Psalm 34.8, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Let us, as his blessed ones, find our refuge, our safety, our protection in him. As we share in our radio message last week, July 19th, the safest place is in cultivating a craving for Jesus. As we crave, desire, seek, pursue him, we will find peace even in the midst of the storm. In Mark 44, 38 we are reminded of the fear of the disciples and the peace of Jesus as we read, Jesus was inside the boat, sleeping with his head on a pillow. The followers went and woke him. They said, Teacher, don't you care about us? We're going to drown. Jesus stood up and gave a command to the wind and the water. He said, Quiet, be still. Then the wind stopped and the lake became calm. He said to his followers, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus was asleep in the midst of the storm. Jesus was at perfect peace, resting in the Father, knowing the truth of who he was and who he was in connection with the Father. As we read in John 10.30, I and the Father are one. We are connected to Christ. He is the vine, and we are the branches. If you and I remain in him, and he in us, you and I will bear much fruit. As apart from him, you and I can do nothing. Apart from Christ, we will have no other way but to follow the flesh. In Christ, we have a way, his way, to be spiritually protected and blessed in his love and care. Let us anchor into the glorious truth of Romans 8, 31 through 39. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? 
No one, for God himself hath given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scripture says, for your sake we are killed every day, we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, we are broken by sin, but God. Yes, we are the blessed of God, and we are beloved of God. We mentioned earlier, we are his chosen, and as his chosen, as we read in Colossians 3.12, we are to put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. We are called his chosen ones, holy and beloved. First John 3, 1-2 reminds us to look and see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. To be beloved is to be dearly loved. God said in Matthew 3.17, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. God calls his son beloved. He calls you and I beloved. You are greatly loved by the Creator. He desires the best for you spiritually and his character is defined by attributes that are for your spiritual well-being. To be God's beloved is his precious gift that flows from the sacrificial work of his beloved Son on the cross. The redemptive work of Christ eradicated your sin, healed your brokenness, and brought you newness of life. His death brought you life, healing, and hope in a way that allows you to be God's blessed and God's beloved his precious child, a son or daughter of the king, as we read in 2 Corinthians 6.18. We started with the word brokenness and shared how this world is usually used in a negative way. As flawed humans, we do not naturally desire brokenness. A broken bone is painful. Breaking can be painful. But God, in his mercy, grace, love, and forgiveness, our breaking is for our healing. We posted a blog on June 7th, which is titled Breaking. In it, we refer to the Japanese art of kanitsu. Kanitsugi, broken pottery, is mended by dusting the areas of breakage with lacquer mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum to make the broken pottery whole. It treats breakage and repair as part of the history of an object, rather than something to disguise or disregard or destroy. In using kintsugi as a spiritual and therapeutic exercise, we break the pottery and then repair it to make a beautiful new vessel, 
much akin to us as the clay and God as the potter. God's breaking of us is to humble us so that we may truly see our need, our need for him and him alone. Our pride must be broken. Pride defends, justifies, rationalizes, and explains itself. Pride leads us to make up our own truth and neglect the word of God. Pride blinds us to anything and everything of the Lord. Living Christ in an attitude of surrender and desperate dependence requires a desire for breaking, transformation, and refining. What do you need to surrender to the Lord today? What do you need to choose to allow the Lord to break today? The Lord will not leave you broken. He will transform you and heal you as you allow him to perform his spiritual surgical work within you. Romans 12, 2 reminds us, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Transformation is God-achieved and God-sustained, requiring no effort on our part to attain it or live it out. Transformation is not trying to be like Jesus, but rather the fruit of the Spirit that flows from Jesus. Allow Him to break you, to refine you, to transform you today and every day as you live Christ fully in Him, in, but not of this world. Let us change the way we view breaking and recognize its sacred connectedness to our blessedness and our belovedness. In Isaiah 30, 10 through 18, we read, They say to the seers, See no more visions. And to the prophets, Give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way. Get off this path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, this is what the Holy One of Israel says. Because you have rejected this message, relied on oppression, and depended on deceit, this sin will become for you like a high wall, cracked and bulging, that collapses suddenly in an instant. It will break in pieces like pottery shattered so mercilessly that among its pieces not a fragment will be found for taking coals from a hearth or scooping water out of a cistern. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says, In repentance and rest is your salvation, and quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, No, we will flee on horses. Therefore you will flee. You said, We will ride off on swift horses. Therefore your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will all flee away, till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. What is your takeaway from this passage? The Lord is speaking through Isaiah to highlight and remind the children of Israel, and you and I today, that their stubborn refusal of the Holy One of Israel, the Lord Almighty, the Creator Sustainer himself, will end in destruction. The Lord is speaking through Isaiah to highlight and remind the children of Israel, and you and I today, that sin is destruction and death. The Lord is speaking through Isaiah to highlight and remind the children of Israel and you and I today that in repentance and rest is salvation. The Lord is speaking through Isaiah to highlight and remind the children of Israel and you and I today that he, the Lord, desires to be gracious and will show compassion as he is a God of justice 
and blessed are we who wait on him. Let us allow the Lord to break our stubborn, rebellious hearts. Let us embrace breaking as a gift for our spiritual growth and find rest, peace, and healing in our repentance. The purpose of the Christian Life Institute is palatable. We want all who profess Christ to taste and see that the Lord is good from Psalm 34, 8, to truly, deeply, intimately, and personally want Christ to be your all in all. We pray this is a time of refreshment and growth. We value your prayers. We value your support. Thank you for joining us for The Living Way. Thank you for listening to The Living Way with Dr. Katherine Pang. This program is sponsored by Christian Life Institute. Follow the Christian Life Institute on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. We welcome your stories and questions. Please email us at radio at christianlifeinstitute.com and please visit our website at christianlifeinstitute.com. That's christianlifeinstitute.com. We look forward to growing forward together next week.